Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Movie Geeks United. Released in theaters on September 25th, 2009, a little movie titled Paranormal Activity quickly became one of the most successful horror phenomenons in modern cinematic history. Now, on the occasion of the film's 10th anniversary, we're proud to present the following brand new interview with lead actress Katie Featherston, where we discuss the initial audition that would ultimately change the course of her life, the unusual process of filming an improvised movie, and the runaway success of the film and its subsequent sequels. Following our conversation with Katie, you'll hear a replay of our 2009 interview with writer-director Oren Pelly, which was conducted during the week of the film's initial release. Does it feel like 10 years? No, I, I, no, it doesn't feel like 10 years at all. I guess maybe because it's only been a few years since the last one that it still feels sort of in the world to me. Um, and, it, and I guess I should say, in some ways, it feels like it was in a light, the first one was a, a lifetime ago because it was a whole different part of my life, a different chapter of my life. Um, but in other ways, it feels like it was yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, it feels like, feels crazy to think that 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just sort of unreal. <laughs> sort of unreal. So tell me, uh, before we get into how this opportunity came into your life, tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about your training. And, and I'm curious if, if improvisation was a big part of that training that you had early on. You know, I, I went to uh, college. I went to SMU and studied theater there. And truthfully, I didn't have that much uh, improv training there. I think I took maybe one class. And the good thing about that one improv class, it was taught by this guy named Dan Day. And it, it wasn't about um being funny in fact if we were funny he kind of would get on to us a little bit the the class is very much about just being present in the moment and saying yes and if that led to something sad or disturbing or dramatic or hard then great and if it didn't then that was okay too um and i think that that class is really helpful um uh when it came to sort of being open to things and and being able to sort of be present in the moment um, and certainly the work I've done, there's a studio I go to called the Brandon Garcia Braun studio and the Meisner work and the scene work we do there is definitely in the vein of, of, of improv only in the sense of just being present in the moment, being able to say yes, listening, knowing how you feel, that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't come from that. I came from a more sort of traditional kind of in your head method of acting. Um, but I'm glad that, you know, the, the training that I had prepared me in whatever ways it could for LA and and it's one of those things you never stop you never stop learning I feel like I'm a different actor now than I was 10 years ago and in another 10 years I'll be I'll be different than I am now which is what makes it so fun yeah and that that fascinates me because I mean you're you're saying that you still take classes I mean you've had a film career for the past 10 years can you feel yourself evolving as an actor yeah, for sure. I mean, and if I didn't, I think I would be bored and find something else to do, you know? Uh, the the That's the fun, that's one of the really fun parts of acting is that as I grow, and I think this probably goes for everyone, but I'll speak for myself, as I grow as a human being, my work as an actor grows because 
I'm more emotionally available in certain areas. I have different blocks or hopefully fewer blocks than I had when I was younger. I have different hang-ups or hopefully fewer hang-ups. And so the work comes more easily and sort of the scope of what I'm able to do grows. And, you know, it's like anything. The more experience you have in something, um, the the better hopefully that you get at it. And also it's a muscle. You've got to keep working the muscle, you know, just, just because you have a career, like I, the class that I'm in right now, there are working actors in it who get off a TV show and then they come back to class because they're always working that muscle and because they care so much about the sort of craft of it. Um, and that's exciting to be around. So, um, yeah, I definitely have to yeah. keep growing and changing. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be too technical, crafty about things, but you know, that's pretty much the kind of show that this is. But um it if act, acting the craft of acting really fascinates me and i'm wondering when you when you feel yourself evolving and maturing as an actor through experience and through further study and etc um does that parallel with your growth as as a person in general yes for me it does um because i, I you know, and I think there's probably a million ways to look at it, and there's no one right way for sure. Um, but the, from from my experience, my my human problems, my life problems, my hangups that I have in my day to day interaction with other people, and and in kind of me as person, that's those are the issues that come up in my work. So if I have a hard time accessing like vulnerability or sexuality or humor or something, you know, if, I, if I'm afraid I'm not funny in life, then you're going to see that in my work. If, if I don't know how to own my sexuality in life, then you're going to see that in my work. If, I'm, if I can't be vulnerable with another person and, and cry and be open, then that's going to come up in my work because it's going to be required of me and I'm not going to be able to do it as a person and therefore it's going to be harder to find in whatever character I'm playing versus having all of those things open in me and flowing so that when I have this, this other person that I'm playing, it's just like, Oh yeah, I can, I can get to that. I can, I, I have, I have that like inside of me, I know where it is and I can take it and use it and shift it in the ways that I need to, to serve the story. If that makes sense. No, it absolutely so, does. And it's, and it's very relevant too, because I've seen, uh, I've seen the work that you've directed. Um, mm. And I feel I feel like that work is is also speaking to a a need to grow, and especially mm-hmm. the 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 short web series that you did, the, the Solace for the Unloved, which yeah. I think is so so great. And it's it's oh. kind of about the for for me it's about the battle between insecurity and acceptance. It, <laughs> yes, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, thank you for watching that. Um, I was written by this really talented gal named Emily Hoddeck, and um, we had been talking a long time about it, and then she was like, would you want to be in it? And I was like, yeah, can I direct it? And so we worked on it together, and that was really um, a really fun project to do and, and fun to sort of flex those muscles and kind of be more creatively in control of something that, that still was relatively small, so I felt like I could play and try things and know that if it didn't end up working that everything was going to be okay um but i think for the most part it really did and so i was excited to to take a crack at it let's get to paranormal activity uh sure. so when you uh first answered the call for for th- this audition the improv- improvisation aspect of it was 
was not a hindrance. It didn't intimidate you at all. No, I mean, there wasn't really time for it to um, intimidate me. Um, I mean, the way the audition went was, I remember it was, a, it was in this tiny theater in North Hollywood, and I was in the kind of waiting area, and these women would go in with their headshots, and I mean, 30, 45 seconds later, they would come out with their headshots, looking very irritated and frustrated, and they'd just sort of leave. And I kept thinking, like, what is going on in that room? And then I went in, and there was no, it wasn't a normal audition where, you know, you, you give your headshot and say, oh, hi, and they ask if you have any questions, and you sit down, and blah, blah, blah. It was just immediate, you know, the guy was like, oh, hi, I'm Oren, uh, and I was like, I'm Katie, and he said, why is your house haunted? And I thought, oh, this is what we're doing, you know, and so I just went with it and started, started you know, telling the story about this kind of fictionalized story about when, why I thought my house was haunted, and and what I was feeling about it, and you know why I thought it was important to tell him, and and that was it, and that was exactly the way the callbacks were, and so it was it was actually really freeing because it I sort of felt like well, you know he's I'm going to come up with what I come up with, and it's not going to be wrong because I'm the one coming up with it, and he'll either like it or or he won't. It'll like resonate for what they need or it won't. So there was there were like no parameters, um, and that was that sort of felt freeing in a way. So I loved it. I love improvising. I love creating on the spot. I, I think it's really exciting. Fills me up. So, so obviously, Oren Pelly, he had a an outline. He he, mm-hmm. he knew the situations and the direction he wanted this film to go. But when you say yeah. you improvised, uh, did you kind of work out how those situations would play before the cameras rolled? Um, yes and no. I mean, some things you know, for instance, we didn't have an ending to the movie, and, and we didn't have a lot of the filler scenes uh, or the sort of smaller moments within the larger arc, but he definitely knew the big scares he wanted. He knew kind of the direction the film was going to go in, like you said. And and the way we kind of worked is we would talk about what the scene was, and then we would film it, and it would usually be, I don't know, something atrocious, like seven minutes or nine minutes long, right? Well, that's way too long. And so we would take it and we go, okay, well, what worked in that nine minute take? This worked, that didn't work. Let's do it again, but let's do it in five minutes. So then Mika and I would do the scene again in five minutes. And then we go, okay, great. Let's do it again, but let's do it in two and a half minutes. And then finally we would get a more condensed, like to the heart of the matter kind of version of that long scene. And then usually the shorter version was what we ended up using. And so we kind of worked it out as we went, which is easier for us because there was you know, it was only a few people in a house working around the clock. It wasn't, you know, you know, big crews or, or light setups or anything like that. So there was a real kind of freedom to the way we, we made that first movie, which I think is unusual and, and was really fun to, you know, fun to create in. Yeah, and it was shot in a week, I understand. And, you know, the atmosphere that you're describing, it feels very experimental. Did you have... Uh, I mean, did it feel like you guys were reaching something? Did did you know what you were, the potential of this project as you were doing it? That was a hard question to answer. No, I never was like, you know what, we're making a movie that I think is going to spawn a franchise. Like never in my wildest dreams did that even enter into my mind. And I think part of the reason is because we weren't really thinking, when we were making the movie at least, we weren't really thinking about 
what would come after in the specifics. We just wanted to make a movie that we would really like and that we thought people would like and, and we really cared about it and we were so full of like inspiration and creativity and it was so fun that that's what we were focused on. And it wasn't until later that we thought, oh, wow, okay, cool, we've actually got something here and, and well, let's see what happens. Um, so we were really in the moment of, of creating that. It, what we, are, we were never thinking like, oh, let's make a movie that'll, you know, hit it big in Hollywood. We were just, we were just having fun and working from a really like pure place and, and, and you know, it doesn't really get better than that. I always say that everything that came after was really icing on the cake and that the actual making the movie was the, was the biggest gift. As cheesy as that sounds, yeah. it's really true. They're the, Mika and Warner, really their best. Well, but then again, I mean, wasn't there, didn't you guys, wasn't there like two or three years in between you, you finishing that initial shoot and, and it actually getting kind of picked up? Yeah, it was, there was three years. So we filmed it my very first year in California. I graduated college, moved to L.A., and then we started filming right around my birthday in October um, in 2006. And then it came out in October of 2009. So there were three long years um, in between. And, uh, you know, it's, in some ways a lot happened in those three years, for sure. And in other ways, we just never we never knew what would happen. I mean, it was a... I think Oren, you know, would kind of edit the movie and we'd watch cuts of it and we'd give notes and we'd talk about it. I mean, there was a whole year of that. And then we got into Scream Fest and then Jason came on board and all of these things were really exciting. But but at any moment, that could have been it. It was like, okay, great. We got into a film festival. Amazing. Like, how amazing is that? That's my second year in L.A. and a movie's in a film festival. This is so great, you know. Or So it's like every step of the mo- of the of the process, I, I I enjoyed and but never knew if there would be anything after it and then and then kind of there was three years of that and then all of a sudden it was like well your movie's going to be out in, in theaters all across America next weekend and I was like what so it was <laughs> quite the whirlwind. I'm wondering about the first time you saw it with an audience and yeah <laughs> were you were you surprised by the power of it. I uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I that was a special night. I, I think the first time was at Screen Fest, the first festival that we we were accepted into, and my mom flew up for it, and I had friends there, and you know, I, that was the first time I'd seen myself in a movie on a big screen ever, and and the first time that we'd seen you know this movie, and it was really overwhelming. That might not be the right word. It was really like special. I felt so appreciative that people were excited about it and really surprised. I mean, I, I mean, we believed in the movie, but then to, to watch people, to watch people react to it in the moment, the whole, a whole different thing. And, and I remember thinking like, Oh, wow, these, these people are really into this. Oh man. <laughs> like, Oh, wow. This is, this is exciting. You know, it was just, and it wasn't exciting. Like, Oh, it's going to be something big and crazy. It just was exciting. Like, Oh, we made something and and they really like it. You know, I mean, that's, doesn't, it's just, that's a special feeling. So, um, yeah, I remember that very, very, very fondly. Hi, deaf camera on my girlfriend, Katie. She thinks there's something in the house. I don't know. You believe me, right? I think we're going to have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena 
is occurring or is not occurring. Windows are locked. Doors are locked. Alarm is on. I feel it breathing on me. There's footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. If you do try to play games with it, that's inviting it in. And the thing that I always loved about uh, this, the franchise, but especially that first one, I, I like movies that, especially when you're talking about a horror film, that make mm-hmm. the audience an active participant in the experience. So just mm-hmm. the nature mm-hmm. of, of, of the subject, audiences are looking at every corner of the screen. I mean, they're, they're moving right. their eyes. They're trying to detect something. And that's so exciting when the audience is truly part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, that's a great point. I think, I think you're right. And I think, you know, for me, I, I like all different, kinds of movies and all different kinds of, of scary movies but my most favorite are usually the ones that allow me to fill in the blanks more than than give me all the answers on the screen and so because there's right. nothing kind of more nothing for me scarier than what I can come up with in my own imagination and so I think that that our movie did that well and that there really isn't a ton that's happening I mean there are scary things but it's there's a lot of silence for the mind to fill up on its own. And so I think that it really caters the sort of fear individually for each person that's watching. And then of course they go home and they're in their house and everybody mm-hmm. who saw that movie probably lives in a house. And, and so you bring it, you bring it home with you, which is, is also, I think, um, really fun. If you like, yeah, that's and a great, <laughs> that's a great yeah. point. That's a great point. Uh, and of course uh, you, you were in, you're in most the other paranormal activity films mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and uh, and it's interesting because obviously Paranormal Activity, the original, was such a huge hit. So of course they're going to try to produce more. But um, mm-hmm. you have a bigger budget, but they they want to maintain the same kind of aesthetic. But how yeah. different did those sets feel compared to the the original? Well, I mean, really different. However, I think they were not nearly as different as they could have been. And I say that because, you know, we went from, from having, you know, three or four people in a house with with one camera, no lights, no craft service, no crew. Like, you know, it was just us. It'd be like if you went home tonight and filmed a movie in your house, like that's what we were doing. To Paramount, you know, who's this huge mega studio trying to make an indie film. So, So it's like we had to adjust to that. And then also Paramount was, rightfully so, and, and I really honor them for this, trying to trying to um, stay in the vein of what we had already done. So they pared everything down, the crew was smaller, the, you know, things were kind of more naturalistic, but there was still crew around and, you know, call times and set lists and, um, you know, lights everywhere and, and craft services. And, you know, it was, it was certainly like, it was like, oh, this, this is a movie set. Like, okay, I get it now. Um, but I think, I think, and it took, you know, some time to like work out those kinks and to get into the flow of things, but everybody was excited and, um, everybody showed up ready to play. And, and so it was, it was for the most part, really fun adjustments, I think, especially on that, on the second one, just kind of figuring it out as we went. I think everybody, um, everybody wanted the sequels to work and to be good. And so, um, we all, you know, worked together. It was fun. 
I like the sequels. I'm I'm, I'm a fan of all of them, uh, pretty much. Cool. Um, awesome. I, I just rewatched all all of them last week. <laughs> so wow. I freaked that myself awesome. out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I hear from like people that appear on TV and film. They say that TV, the the their fans, it's a different kind of relationship they have with their fans because they feel like they know them, um, as opposed to the distance maybe you feel between you and a movie screen. But mm. it, it, when you're when you're in a movie that is built as this kind of found footage thing, and you're playing a character mm. with the same name as your own. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. I'm wondering what those fan interactions are, are, are like. Yeah, um, I, I think it's probably closer to the to the TV experience. Um, I mean, I, I think fans do feel like they know me. I think so many, especially young girls, desperately wish Mika and I were really in love. You know, it's like they they wish they w- really want us to like be, which is so funny to Mika and I because we're just like we're pals. Like like I love him dearly, but we've we've never been anything more than friends. Um, but there is sort of this feeling of they want they want it to be real in some way. And you know, if I could go back and tell my young twenty three year old self like, hey, this movie is going to be pretty big. Maybe think about using a fake name. That would have been something I would have said because it would have been the same movie it was just sort of like we were like well we're improvising why as we'll use our real first names and make it easier and then we just that like that was the extent of the conversation so i think had we you know had character names um that were different than our actual names that maybe there'd be a little more distance but but certainly people do feel like they know me or that that maybe i am somehow more paranormally like inclined in life than I actually am. Like I love all that stuff. It's fun, but um, <laughs> yeah. But I, but I, yeah. you know, I don't come from that or or you know, like I'm pretty cheerful, pretty cheerful, pretty light. You know, my office is like bright turquoise, and there's you know white shutters. Like it's very, you know, there's nothing much scary about me in real life. Do you feel that you in the industry? Because of that, uh, the reality of the series and the character named Katie, um, I mean, years ago I was talking to the filmmakers of Blair Witch, and they said mm-hmm. what they were faced with in the industry was this attitude that, well, you guys didn't really do anything. You, I mean, you, you didn't direct anything. They just thought it kind of yeah. happened. I I think that that is certainly – I mean, that that exists. In fact, a few years ago, maybe, gosh, I don't know, it's, it's probably like five years ago, I made a, I wrote a sketch that I filmed, and it's, it's, it's on the internet somewhere. I think it's on Funny or Die or something. But it was, um, uh, it was me going into an audition and the casting director being like, "Wow, Katie, it's so great to meet you. Congratulations on your documentary. So you you want to be an actress now? Have you done any acting?" And 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 it was sort of like you know, a play on, on the idea that we didn't actually act. It just kind of, we were just being ourselves and, and got lucky and, you know, and so, yeah, that exists. Sure. Um, but that's not something I'm going to like spend a lot of time on mostly because why? Like there's, there's so much opportunity and the one of, I mean, there's been so many blessings for me with this franchise. I mean, I could talk to you for an hour and still not cover all of them. Um, but one of them is that, it's given me, you know, access to these awesome fans who are excited about what I do and, and care, and I love that. And it's given me some space to be able to 
um, figure out how I want to create on my own, which I also really love. Um, mm. And in fact, and I remember on the first movie, you know, because we all kind of did different things um, in addition to like acting or directing, like we all, we all were contributing to kind of how we would shoot the scene. And we were of course improvising the dialogue, but like, you know, I would, I would make set lists or, you know, like shot lists for the day because I was very type A and needed a list and wanted to know what we were working from. And the guys didn't really need that, but I did. And so I would be very organized and have it all written up. And we all just sort of like contributed and collaborated in ways that I think as an actor, you don't always get to do. And I remember thinking, I will never have this much fun again until I'm making my own work. And so, you know, that's a, that was a blessing that this, project kind of gave me a that awareness and mm-hmm. the space to, to figure that out and do it my last question for you uh is uh, you know i i don't expect you to give away state secrets or anything but i'd be remiss if i didn't ask <clears throat> there's been rumblings of another paranormal activity possibly a mm-hmm. remake have you heard the same and are you in any way involved can you ver- can you confirm yeah. I can I cannot I this is what I do know I knew that um, my social media blew up and my lawyer emailed me the deadline article and all of a sudden I was like what, what? why is there a picture of paranormal activity one on the cover of deadline in this article you know and so I heard about it when everybody else did and I have no idea any specifics or or what what stage they're in or what direction they're going and and you know would will always have deep love for these movies and, and always open to being in them if they want me. And, and no matter what, I will be like huge, the biggest cheerleader ever possible. Um, and we'll be excited to see what happens. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm at this point, I'm kind of figuring it out along with everybody else. So. Jeez, it looks like something bit you. Not the house. It's me. You cannot run from this. It will follow you. I'm in control. You're not in control. What's happening to me? It's thing left a message. If it's not a ghost, what is it? We're both crazy about this movie, and I cannot imagine how it feels for you. Uh, already having achieved such success with it and you're about to receive a lot more with this wide release yeah. on Friday how does this feel it has to be overwhelming for you it's it's uh, beyond overwhelming it's mind-boggling yeah I can imagine but, but you you've come from if I read correctly the software business prior to making this movie but had movies always been a dream for you had directing been a goal for you all along well, I mean, I always, you know, everyone loves movies, but I, I really loved movies, and I was like a tall movie geek, and I loved watching movies, and I loved uh, watching them and kind of trying to analyze how they're made and what I could have done better or different. And I always dreamed about doing something to do with movies, but I didn't think I would have the time or the patience to go, to go through the regular route of going to film school and right. working your way up. But uh, after movies like Blair Witch and Open Water came out and showed that there's another way to do it, just buy a video camera and start shooting, and if it turns out well enough, then maybe you can sort of like bypass the whole system. And I figured, well, why not give it a shot? Well, you exactly. did that. Um, I, I see Open Water, I see Blair Witch in there, I see a lot of things in there, actually, Cloverfield and Cannibal Holocaust as well. 
the way it's shot. I saw this on Saturday, and i got to tell you something, Warren. Uh, the second half of the movie is, is some of the scariest stuff I've seen. <laughs> cool. And i got to tell you, the Thanks. audience, um, you had some people just, like, jumping out of the seats. Cool, cool. Uh, I mean, my, myself included. I always say, oh, nothing scares me. A couple of moments, especially um, the movement of a certain blanket in one scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you, got, you got a lot of scares out of that. This is what fascinates me, though, because when, you, when you're working on a movie, can you tell as you're making it that it's working? When you're making it, I mean, you have to, to some degree, trust your intuition and your instincts and to think, you know, if that turns out well, that could be really creepy and effective. But you don't really know until you have the whole thing edited together and you show it to, uh, you know, to friends or test audiences. Until then, you know, you may think you know, but you need to have the, the people's confirmation. Yeah. And, and when was that first screening where, where you knew that you had gold? Well, I did a lot of screenings of really, really early cuts that weren't even finished, and I could see that there was probably something there. And then when the movie was coming together, I did a screening at my friend's Alex's house with people that I didn't know, because you always want to have people that are you know, more objective, not just friends. And there was a couple that was uh, watching the movie, and the guy was like this big you know, football-built type of guy. And during the whole movie, he was like holding on to his girlfriend, going like, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's that kind of movie. <laughs> yeah, mean, it's, it's, really it's an oh, shit movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, so so that, that's that's when I started suspecting, and you know I had a lot of people telling me earlier on, you know, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen, and I'm not sure maybe they're like just trying to be nice, and you know, no, I, we're I, not I, trying to be nice. <laughs> no, there is, I, I, and, I must, and, and if I can ask, this is based on a true story. No, no, I'm not aware of any. I could say it's it's inspired by me thinking about the concept of using a video camera. It's right. nice. Because uh, there were like you know weird things happening in my house, so I thought w- w- I didn't actually go ahead and set up a video camera. But I thought if someone did set up a video camera and it caught some bizarre stuff happening at night while people are asleep, they're not even aware of it. That's uh, pretty damn creepy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It is very creepy. Now, now t- I know that Blair Witch was one of the films that inspired you to embark on this, uh, and we've talked to the Blair Witch uh, guys, and they're fantastic. Um, but their movie was met with tremendous success at the beginning, and then there seemed to be, and they admitted to this, a kind of backlash about uh, the the kind of gimmick behind it. Uh, are you, were you worried about uh, too much emphasis being placed on, on the gimmick of the of the video camera and the and the well, static nature? I mean, there's nothing I could do about whether or not I'm worried about it or not. That's what the movie is, and you know, most people seem to. Uh, really embrace it. I mean, the, it's really only because of the fans that uh, the movie is where it is now. Uh, right. it for them liking the movie and demanding it and basically forcing the studio to keep expanding it, uh, we wouldn't even be talking now. Right. So right. I, th- I think that that's the premise of the movie and it is what it is and a lot of people love it and a few people may not dig it, but what can you do? Well, I, I love it. I, and I think the gimmick is, is a really... Uh, a horrible term for it. Uh, it, it, it it's it's what the yeah, film is. I'm not, I'm not really sense. right. I'm not really considering it a gimmick. It's just a different right. way of uh, telling a story. But even so, I know that there were there was talk of a possible remake, and then they decided that nothing at all was wrong with the original. So why remake it? But do you think this film would have been as effective with with a bigger budget and and, and bigger kind of name actors? 
it's hard to tell, and there was no specific decision about you know whether it's going to be name actors or not. I think it's just that the the studio really loved the movie and they wanted to do something with it. But uh, you know, you can imagine that they would be really nervous about committing to releasing a movie and how do you market a movie that basically mm-hmm. looks like you know cheap home video. And uh, so for a, a while we weren't really sure what was going to happen until we did a test screening and the executives were in the theater with uh, you know just real recruited audience and when they saw how well the original film plays then they decided pretty much on the spot you know what let's just forget the whole remake thing <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and this movie is incredibly suspenseful uh i mean it's it's what your imagination fills in more than anything else as a as a filmmaker how how do you achieve that I, to me as a viewer i always found that the anticipation is what you know, it's worse than actually something happening. Like, you know, waiting to get the, the Novocaine shot at the dentist, that's worse than the actual shot. Right. So I, I know, like, that to me in a movie, just waiting for something to happen is the worst thing. And if it doesn't happen, if you expect something to happen, and it doesn't happen when you expect it or at the same time or the right thing, then your anxiety just keeps building and building and building. And that's what a lot of people find uh, to be kind of uh, intolerable in the movie. That in, yeah. There are many sequences when you don't get the jump scare right. release of adrenaline, and you just have to keep taking it into the next night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that I know you've probably been asked about this nonstop since since it came out, but obviously Mr. Spielberg was a big fan of your film and has really shepherded the the, the process of getting it out there. What have your conversations with Mr. Spielberg been like? That must be a dream for you. Yeah, I haven't had any direct contact with him, but I did hear that uh, he saw the movie and was terrified by it and really loved it, and that was one of the reasons that uh, the whole remake idea was uh, was uh, uh, forgotten, because uh, he just said, you know what, let's just release this one, because yeah. it was yeah. v- very effective on him. Yeah, and have you, do you, have you attended screenings of the film since it's been in release? Yeah, I, I snuck into a few theaters here and there. <laughs> and, and the response has been exactly what you had hoped for, I, I would imagine? Yeah, it's uh, always played very well, and it's extremely re- rewarding to see how you know people enjoy the movie and laugh at the right times and scream at the right times and you know moan and groan when you know things get too stressful. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs>